0: You're listening to the Collab Talk Podcast, episode 195 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with M365 development MVP, Eric Legault. <laughs> Hey, everybody, this is Christian Buckley doing another MVP Buzz Chat. I'm talking today with Eric. Hello. Hello, Christian. How are you today? I'm doing well. Yeah, we'll have to get into stuff. For for folks that don't know you, who are you, where are you, and
1: what do you do? Uh, My name is Eric Legault. I'm an MVP for Office or M365 Development, not Office
0: 365. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It it
1: rolls off the tongue, I know. Yeah, it's hard to adapt. keep. Yeah. Um, yeah, an MVP for M365 developer. I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, just in, case. <laughs> in the middle of the country. 51st state, of course we know Canada. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the heart of the Canadian prairies where it's so flat, you can watch your dog run away for days, right? <laughs> uh, our, winters, our winters are cold, our summers are beautiful and short um but i started my mvp journey in 2003 is when i first got awarded oh, wow. um, i was nominated by mvp for outlook sue mosher at the time if you remember her she used to run outlookcode.com yeah. after running um uh, slipstick.com for many years which is now owned by diane Pramsky. so um i was doing a lot of work answering questions in the outlook vba um news groups and usenet Microsoft.program.outlook underscore VBA, I think it was, which was the catch all for anything Outlook programming related, whether it was add ins or whatnot. So I had the, uh, was doing some work. I was working with a Microsoft partner at the time and we were doing some integration with their, um, with a lot of the document management and imaging and knowledge management software that we were selling to clients mm-hmm. and needed uh, to integrate with Office and Outlook. So I started learning Outlook scripting, Outlook add ins, you know, by trial by fire. Going to the forums, going to the websites, and after a few months of that, I was, hey, I can answer this question, I can answer that question. Just kept yeah. doing that, and yeah. eventually they said, hey, you're doing a great job here. I'm going to nominate you for the program, and then I got that famous award MVP, MVP, like that old that video that they showed us at the summit in 2000 something.
0: It's an awful video, but it's awesome
1: it and how awesome. awful it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was based on a nutrient uh commercial or something like that they took a spin that,
0: but and do you know the buildings i think it was i'm trying to remember i think they filmed that down where like the xbox is like in the redmond offices it was like not on the main campus oh yeah but yeah well a lot of the microsoft the old microsoft offices all kind of looked the same way but but yeah it's it but what's also interesting too is that i don't know uh, it, like I get the question of, well, you know, what can I do? People that are interested in becoming an MVP nowadays. And one of the first things I say is like, go participate in the forums, like go to, to tech community. I think there, Microsoft really still watches that thing. But back in the the old days, where you, you look at like the longtime MVPs and former MVPs, the, that forum participation was a big part of the activity. Now it just seems to focus more on... Uh, uh, on events and that kind of public speaking.
1: Yeah, it certainly seems to have shifted. And um, I did my part, you know, doing all the uh, check boxes for all the various areas, like speaking at conferences. I co-wrote Office Professional 2013 step-by-step for Microsoft Press. Uh, I've done the user group uh, starting up. I I founded a a SharePoint user group locally, you know, done the blogs, the book editing, all that stuff you kind of, you get the opportunity to do even more when you're part of the programs so uh but that the, getting that award for the first time in 2003 really changed my life like having that feather in your cap and being globally recognized as as an expert and being knighted by Microsoft really all of a sudden the the, the request for work and assistance started coming in all over the world um from all over the world and I thought, started to think maybe I should take a stab at going independent because I, was, I had been working as a as a consultant for several Microsoft providers or partners. So I I did take a stab at that and I went independent in 2008. I've been independent ever since. Hmm. And I think, I thank a lot of that to the um, to that award for exposing me and giving me opportunities. And I never missed a summit in 15 years. Still haven't missed one since I was out in 2018 because they haven't had an in-person one, but I got to meet so many smart, wonderful people. Uh, The highlight of my summit was always just walking around, um the uh, international uh, supper and just finding old friends and just being part of a group and having just the best conversations and learning so much from people uh and it really shines through in all the mvps it, like they're the first to give you advice um and talk to you in ways where you just are just amazed at how smart and wonderful everybody is
0: and yeah. you just feel
1: to be part of that community
0: so that's why i, I mean I, I so hope so hope that we get back to in-person mvp summits yeah um i am not heard any rumors about you one way or the other but um you know obviously being virtual during the during the pandemic but i would tell you know new mvps that i talked to that it's the it's the best part the best benefit of getting the award is that participation. Now it's great to go out to Microsoft campus for those that have never been out there. I lived out in Seattle for 12 years and worked for Microsoft for several years. And yeah, but still it's great to be on campus. I always think it's better to be on campus and not be an employee. Uh, Cause I I don't care about the rest of what's going on. I just get to be there and concentrate on the good stuff. But just uh, to, to do those deep dives with the product teams and yeah. uh, go out to dinners and mixers but then just to listen to like, I've got my questions and it's great, but just to listen in that venue to the, these smart people around you, most of them pretty smart. Oh, well, I won't say all, well, you know who you are out there. Um, but, uh, but to listen to their questions and kind of feed off each other. Uh, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm very much a collaboration personality. Like that. I, I get energy from other people like uh, So I just, I get excited by that. Whereas my wife is the classic introvert where talking to people, it, it just physically drains her where she needs to recharge in a, uh, a sensory, uh, uh you know, uh, uh, chamber, a, you know, she just needs to be, uh, uh removed from, from the world, but it, it, you have that experience at those events just to, you know, hear other people's ideas. I, I come out of that thing. I, a lot of my notes are blog ideas or interview ideas, or we should be looking in this other direction. And so you spend a, a week or two getting back from that, just trying to compile the, the notes and figure out what other meetings do I need to go schedule yeah. people to connect with? I love that
1: aspect of it. Absolutely. I'll, I always enjoyed uh, meeting with the product managers um, and those are all eye-opening to see how things work behind the scenes, how they plan features, how long it takes for some of the simplest features to get developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being able to contribute too, like and say, no, you should be looking at this feature, or why you're looking at this feature, because a lot of the times our interactions with the community um, give them insights that they don't typically have. Um, they have their own test groups and other programs for early adopters as well, but we we tend to be in the trenches and and we have viewpoints that they never usually consider and and they're really um sometimes you get the product groups that are kind of dismissive of MVPs. but over time they have learned to recognize how much of a benefit we can be we would be the first to hold their feet to the fire when something's going really horribly wrong but we'd be the first to praise them when they've done a great job
0: yeah i i think that's uh, you see that too from uh Who's participating within the MVP discussions? Like who from the product team, from the engineering teams, are kind of known quantities. Their faces and names are familiar because they're out there, you know, I- interacting not just with MVPs but the customers as well. And then there's a reason why you, you when you're you hear about promotions and the growth of you know, people within that, and usually it's a one to one match. The people that are very community centric and and in touch with the MVPs seem to be the people that also uh, rise very quickly within the organization because they kind of, they get that. So I think it's just another testament to the power of community and
1: the importance of community uh, to both sides. Multiple voices, multiple ideas, surround yourself with smart people and listen to them kind of thing. Yep. Well, not one person has all the answers, and especially in software. <laughs> Well you talked about it, you kind
0: of you shared some of your experiences becoming an MVP anything about it i mean where was it something that did you hear about it and seek after it or is it something that more just kind of
1: evolved and happened over time or i don't think i knew much about it i think uh, when i was posting in the forums i recognized that oh there's some other people here that are kind of official and they have this MVP designation and i think i looked into it briefly but it wasn't a goal um, and i learned after becoming after uh, getting into the program, that's kind of uh, a faux pas to actively look like you're trying to become an MVP. It was in some situations, it was like, nah, you got it, you got to earn it, buddy. And um, it was kind of frowned upon. It's not something you should just be doing it naturally. I guess is the message that if you're not helping people to begin with, then it's don't use it as a career stepper um, because you just might disappear once you get it and you're not contributing anymore. So it's always. So
0: how, how do you look like you're trying without looking like you're trying?
1: <laughs> I guess it's dedication and frequency and the attitude that you have when you're asking questions. Like uh, if you're whittling yeah. people, that's obviously not a good approach to helping. You know, like, yeah, why'd you do that? And that's not going to help anybody. This just be carefully walking through um, and, and show them additional resources to get them going. Um, it's always, uh, they, you know, how many times have uh, us as MVP just been really thanked heartily by somebody and it makes us feel good of course which is great but you know you have to want to help people and and uh, get them unstuck as part of yeah. the goal
0: let's i yeah i remember having a conversation with a former employer that was commenting that i had uh, participated in an event and flown halfway around the world and it was like my time and and i i got the the event paid for part of the expense of that. And I did some out-of-pocket just before I joined. He's just like, well, what a complete waste of time. You got there across the world. And you participated as one speaker and you presented to like under 20 people and went and did that. And I'm like, okay, you clearly don't understand the, the value of like, okay, who was in the room? And I wasn't selling anything. There was no pitch. I wasn't, I'm not a consultant. I was, I've been a product guy. So like I had no, a uh, uh, sale in the game by going and doing that it was purely about community and uh that uh what was down in south africa by the way it's like so i have off of that trip it was my first time down there was one of the i still have friends that i talk to on a regular basis people that i've been able to some that have become mvps since yep. then and the connections that have been made and the perspectives shared. I mean, I don't know, it, there could be four or five people in the audience. Uh, I've done sessions like that. I did one. Uh, we, I helped put on an event in Bend, Oregon. The biggest event, we did it for several years. The largest we ever got was 98 people. It was the, the largest year that we were there. And It was one of the best events and just a a few small companies, no massive brand names that were in the area, you know, and, but it was, you know, the connections we made, the value that we provided there, the conversations that we had, and it, it was fulfilling because we're helping people solving, you know, larger strategic questions and small tactical, practical problems uh, with the technology sitting there talking technology with people that are passionate about technology. It energized me for weeks afterwards with everything else that I
1: did back in the office. The impact is per person, right? Yeah. If you impact one person significantly, it's it's worth it than more worth it than in given 20 people sort of an idea, or however you want to phrase it. But yeah.
0: Well, I'll have to ask you to the few minutes we have left is uh, is about the music side of things because you do have the devices behind you, and uh, so you know what what's your uh, what's your musical background? Um,
1: well, I spent five years as a guitarist in the Iron Maiden tribute band here in Manitoba called Maiden Manitoba, as most Iron Maiden tribute bands tend to add their geographical location to the name. Mm-hmm. So. I was playing the part of Dave Murray, the longtime Iron uh, Maiden guitarist who stands on the right side of the stage looking towards the crowds. And that was uh, that was a dream fulfilled because I was in a band in my 20s with some friends and we didn't take it too seriously. We just played some parties and at the bar where we worked and um, we were just happier just watching live music all the time. So when I got this opportunity to join this band, it fulfilled a lifelong dream of being a uh, um a part-time musician for a long time so uh for five years we did 50 shows around the province and we are gearing up to do us tours when um, um issues with the band arose which always seems to happen right which happens yep and now it's a, in a different flavor with um all new members except for a drummer who replaced our previous drummer you know it's always the thing with bands but it was great It uh i love performing um and uh, it was an eye-opener how to uh, it's, a tr- it's a different skill set when you're performing in front of a, an audience of people that you're giving a technical presentation to versus entertaining them with music you have to look them in the eye you have to you're you're, you're presenting at the same time uh, but you can't just stand there staring at your guitar or your shoes you got to look people in the eye and show them a good time yeah. and the funny thing is I learned that really for the first time back in 2008 at the mvp summit when we had the party at the experience music project and they had that it was a kind of a rock and roll themed or a musical theme night where they encouraged people to dress as as musicians and they, and they had the the live band karaoke the rock a thing there mm-hmm. and i went up and i did enter sandman and i was so nervous before that and i had dressed and i had a long black curly wig and aussie glasses and a jean jacket i looked like a total banger right because i am a banger <laughs> um but i was so nervous i'm like you know what this isn't about me i got nobody wants to see somebody up on stage looking nervous right and i only had a handful of experiences performing live and, and that was 15 years prior so i just shoved aside all that nervous energy and said i'm going to entertain that crowd and it was the best stage possible i don't know if you were at that particular summit but the experience music project has this one huge area where you can have a live show and the backdrop is insane and most of the crowd was there um 400 500 people maybe in front of the stage and they ate everything up Uh, mvps you know and they were singing along and it was it was amazing and i got a video of that on youtube um that's still out there somewhere and um that gave me the impetus to say well i gotta try this performing thing again and took a few years before i had the opportunity but uh I certainly uh, want to uh, get back to doing that. I was doing live streams during the pandemic where I was like, I need to perform. So I'm just going to learn yeah. the tech, how to do all this myself with multiple scenes per song, all controlled by a tablet with OBS studio. And yeah, I really over-engineered that. Like I do everything um Hmm. but i had an hour and a half of material and so i'm hoping to get back into a band at some point but uh
0: yeah uh, because i i uh, similar i was the lead singer of an alt rock band i was you know we did that for three years and we toured around northern california and i i always tell people that uh like i don't get really get nervous on stage you get a little bit butterflies when there's like especially new content until you're up there and then it's just fine and go and i really enjoy it and a lot of that was kind of i always tell people burned out of me because of being up there with all original content so they're my words it's my voice out in front of the band you know doing this stuff playing shows and you you it, it just i got used to that i always say the same thing i, I miss doing that performing i, I enjoyed that uh, that's um, a it's uh yeah I, I i love doing that i, I now we never uh as a studio band, like we, we never had the money. We were poor back then. Uh, we never had the money to do quality recordings. So the stuff we have is just crap. And we've got stuff straight out of the, the, the soundboard at a couple stages that we performed uh, kind of things, but man, it's still it wouldn't replace that for anything. And, you know, anybody that has any music passion uh, you know, that to, to go and have that experience. Yeah. I, I, similar. I, I would love to go and do something like that. I'd rather do kind of a home studio project, find people to have that the, the pieces and participate that way. Um, I, I'm okay with, I always said that uh, this is just like the old me talking now. Like I loved doing the shows. I didn't like a lot of the venues and the people that I had to deal with to get the gigs. <laughs> that's, that's a slog. But, yeah. Yeah. But that was an, an adventure, but yeah, I, you know, I, I love the, uh, uh, there's a you know a lot of people that have that music background have a kind of a similar story to uh, to to get again and comfort with public speaking uh, within the MVP circles. Yeah, so yeah. we need, we need more MVP based bands. Is what I'm saying.
1: They've tried. They've had. They've tried, but it's tough when you get five people who've never jammed before. What are we gonna play? And some you know let's play Blackbird. I don't know Blackbird. Yeah. yeah. But I've been having fun. Um, like you mentioned, the home studio bed. I've got a uh, pretty good setup down here. I'll, I'll show you uh, what I've got going on. Uh, so that's kind of like my photo slash video slash audio studio. Yep. There's some cars back there that you can't see in a drum set. And um, uh, yeah, I'm really set up to do some pretty decent audio and video production. So I'm learning and wrapping up those skills. So I would like love to produce other talent um, because it's a pain in the, in the butt to produce your own stuff with no help but the technology is there to do it Um, but it takes a lot of time video editing is not easy audio editing is not easy but we're mvps we know how to master complex software but it takes a lot of time to get close to those levels of uh, talent that people who do this all the time have
0: yeah, I had a good friend that did his uh, master's in music composition, and he. I remember going over to his apartment and doing, we did a studio project for a while, and he was using at the time Cakewalk, so this was late 90s, and he had it tuned up, and so I, I went and did some edits, I'm like, hey, this is so hard, then I went and installed Cakewalk, I'm like, okay, I understood then very quickly he had spent a lot of time meticulously going through and organizing and getting it ready where I could simply go and mix things with the music that we had, we had captured. So it's everything about, uh, you know, just like in video production, you know, the, 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 the getting the, the sounds right, the music there for, for doing video production, the lighting has to be right. And the audio so much. And all those pieces, and then edit all those pieces together and do all the transitions and, yeah there's there's a lot
1: a lot Kudos to everybody with a with a youtube channel that's you know got some polished production um you you have to do it or you would stand out like a sore thumb is you know you can't just record something on your phone you got to stand out and everybody's doing the high quality productions, so it's it's difficult it takes time to get to that level that's for sure it does well very cool well Eric, really appreciate you taking time today. For folks that want to find out more about you or connect with you, what are the best ways to reach you? Um, I guess the best way is to start with uh, Twitter, as long as it's still up and I'm still on there. Still going today. Um, <laughs> just look for my name, Lego on whatever platform, um, or ericlagoconsulting.com is my website um yeah drop me in line send me an email at eric at ericlago.com and go to you, my youtube channel and see i got a lot of uh, my music content up there i've even got some cooking shows i was during the pandemic and uh, soon i hope i'm uh, in pre- pre-production for a series on critical thinking That's oh. taken take a lot of pre-production effort to the point where i'm like i don't know if i'll ever have time to actually finish this so i keep telling people about it so i'm hold accountable if i never do it like you said you're going to do it but it's going to take a lot of time but i want to contribute to this climate where there's just so much division and there's ways we need to get people talking and not arguing and that's what i'm hoping to gear up towards doing
0: it's a great topic and again i think to your point like props to those people that are the content creators of training material learning material that come like i know what it takes like i don't have the time to go build that kind of content like it's yeah. It, it, there's people have a passion and have that expertise in that field, but well, Eric, really appreciate the time. Of course, I'll have the links, everything out on my blog, out on Buck the Planet when they when this goes live, you'll see it out on YouTube. So I'll provide all those links to everybody. So whether you're listening or watching, you'll be able to find that. Go to bucktheplanet.com. Eric, thanks a
1: lot for your time. Thank you for having me, Christian. Cheers. <laughs>